Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Generations Church Online. We're so thankful that you've chosen to be a part of this gathering with us. We've said that for a number of years now, and I know it may look a little different because you're there in your home, or maybe you're watching on a mobile device somewhere else, maybe you're at work today, Uh, but we never take it for granted that you have chosen to spend part of your Sunday with us. You know, as I think about this coming week and I think about all the things that have been happening over the last few weeks, I recognize that next Sunday is Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday, and next weekend... Who would have imagined that we wouldn't get to be together in person to celebrate Easter? I mean, just a few weeks ago, that was unthinkable, and yet that's what's going to happen. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of information before I jump into today's message about what our plan is for next weekend here at Generations Church. We have a number of ways we're going to celebrate, reflect, and remember all that Christ has done for us. We begin that on Good Friday. So this coming Friday, Good Friday, at 7 p.m., we will have a special service that we'll stream on Facebook, YouTube, and at g.church slash live, where we're going to spend some time worshiping, Uh, we're going to talk about what Good Friday actually means, and we're going to take communion together. So the reason that I'm telling you that is we want you to gather the elements needed for communion for you, for your family, for anyone that would be watching with you this coming Friday night at 7 o'clock. So if you already have some juice or bread, that's great. You're you're prepared already. If you don't, but you know this week you're going to be gathering groceries and supplies, maybe you go ahead and try to pick those up. But perhaps there are some of you that you don't have the supplies for communion and you don't have a plan this week to go out and get other groceries or other supplies, and so you may not be able to gather those, those elements uh, either. Here's what I would say to you. That's okay. If you've got juice, that's awesome. If you have something else that you can substitute for the juice, that's great too. If you only have water, that's okay. Look at this in John chapter 4, verse 14. It says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up, to eternal life. Jesus calls himself the living water. And so if you have to take communion with water this week, that's okay. And if you've got bread, that's awesome. If you've got something to substitute for bread, that's incredible. But if you have to take communion with water and potato chips, it really is the heart of the matter more than what you're putting into your stomach. In Acts chapter 10, through a vision, God speaks to the apostle Peter, and he actually challenges his idea of food and what is clean and what is unclean. So I don't want us to get caught up in that. If you have the ability to gather supplies and the elements for communion, that's great. But if not, we want you to participate this coming Friday night at 7 o'clock in our Good Friday service as we worship together, reflect and remember the cross, and we take communion together. And then on Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, we will begin our day streaming a sunrise service at 7 a.m., And so that's going to be awesome. We'll we'll have a great time of, again, just kind of remembering and reflecting over what the the hope of Easter really looks like as the sun rises on that new day. And then we'll gather together for a full worship experience at 9.15 and 11 a.m. And then immediately following both of those services, we're going to have a special, really short, maybe 20-minute service just for our G-Kids. So they're at 10.30 and 12.30. So 10.30 a.m., 12.30 p.m., just for our kids on that day. So we would love to have you participate in Easter weekend, Good Friday, 7 o'clock, and then on Easter Sunday at 7 for sunrise, the full services at 9.15 and 11, and then our G-Kids experience at 10.30 and 12.30. So we would love to have you be a part of a really fantastic day 
and a fantastic weekend. And really, last thing that I want to tell you about is something that we're starting this week to try to help serve one of the, the amazing ministries and organizations in our community. We're going to partner during the month of April with Must Ministries. Uh, they are serving thousands of people in our community every single week uh, with food and supplies. And so we want to come alongside of them and really try to help provide some of the, the supplies that they're giving away. Just about the time that it comes in, they, it goes out, it, they give it away. And so what we're attempting to do for Generations Church is we want to provide 4,000 pounds of food to Must Ministries during the month of April. And here's how we're going to do that. We're going to open up our church on Tuesdays and Thursdays, beginning this Tuesday, April the 7th, between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So if you are out, if you're uh, at work or you're traveling around to get groceries or the other things that you need to do, you need to get uh, as a part of the shelter-in-place uh, mandate that the governor has given to us, uh, we encourage you to bring some of the supplies, non-perishable goods. You can see a list of the supplies that are on our Facebook page and Instagram page, and we've, we've provided those to you. We want you to participate and help us to bless Must Ministries as they bless the people of our community. We can really make a difference in our community during these days for those who are less fortunate. And so I want you to participate and let's make a difference in our community. I'm excited today because we're going to continue what we started last week as we talked about this idea of chaos. You know, last week we talked about Genesis 1 and Mark chapter 4. There in Genesis 1 where, you know, there was chaos and there was void and, and formlessness in the earth. And, and God spoke and said to, the, to that chaos, let there be light. And there was and maybe your, your life is characterized by some darkness and some formlessness and void and lack. And God can speak into that kind of chaos. We talked about Mark chapter 4 where Jesus was on the boat. He was actually sleeping as the disciples were worried about the storm that was coming against them there on the lake. And so they wake him up and they say, don't, he, don't you even care that we're dying? Don't you even care about what's happening to us? And Jesus steps up to the front of the boat and he says, peace be still. And the winds and the waves died down, and he spoke into that chaos that was coming against them. And we talked about the fact that whatever chaos looks like in your life and in your circumstances, God is with you, he's present, and he is speaking to that chaos. And just because you may not see his activity at this present time, it does not speak to a lack of ability. And so this week, I want to continue that idea of chaos, but I want to look at it in a little different way. And in doing so, we're going to look at one of the most famous people in all of Scripture. This is a name, when I say it in just a second, you're going to know this name, even if you're not a person of faith. The name is Noah. Now, this story is found early in the book of Genesis, a little, little bit like last week. This is in Genesis chapter 6. But before I get into this story, I want to clarify something that I think is important as we jump into this story to really make sure that you understand my heart and, and where I believe the Lord is taking us today. In this story of Noah, and you're familiar with it, I'm sure, Noah and the ark, there are a lot of people that lose their life in this story. But I want to make sure that you understand that I do not believe that the present circumstances that are going on around us related to the coronavirus are a punishment of God to the earth. I do not believe in any parallel way that God is killing people, causing people to die, or causing people to be sick. I, I don't believe that that's the heart of the Father. Instead, what I want to do is I want us to focus on the faithfulness of someone whose heart beat for the things of God in the midst of a world in chaos. I recognize that not everybody who may be watching today is a follower of Jesus Christ, but I know that there are a number of you who are, and I believe that each of us has a unique calling on our life to follow after God. One of the things that we say here at Generations Church on a pretty regular basis is that God has never called us to perfection, but he has called us to be in pursuit, 
Pursuit of him, pursuit in in the ways of holiness so that we would rid ourselves more and more of the things that do not reflect him and his character and his nature and that we would ask him to fill us of the things that do reflect who he is in and through us. And so today I want us to look at this story of Noah and I want us to recognize the faithfulness and the obedience of a man who was living in the midst of a world in chaos. In that day and time, God was surveying the earth, and he saw that throughout the earth, all of these people were living in the way that seemed right in their own eyes. They were doing whatever they wanted to. Sin was running rampant throughout the earth because men and women were giving their lives over to the things that did not reflect God. And yet God found Noah in that day, a man who was chasing after God and trying to be obedient and faithful in the way that he was to live. And so God spoke to Noah and gave him specific instructions about something that seems unthinkable in the context of this story. But because of our familiarity, maybe it doesn't seem quite as unthinkable. I want you just for a minute to kind of throw out of your mind any story you've ever heard about Noah, any scriptures you've ever read about Noah. And I want you to think about what God is about to ask of this man in that time. This is in Genesis chapter 6. This is beginning in verse 9. This is what it says. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless In his generation. God, let that be said of me. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled. With violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark or a boat of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Now, a roof, make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with a lower and second and third deck. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and the animals according to their kinds, and of every creeping thing of the earth and the ground according to its kind. I wish he would have left that part out. Two of every sort shall come in to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. And look at this. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Noah did all that God commanded him. We see at least four other places in about these two and a half chapters of scripture here where Noah did all that God commanded Over these two, two and a half chapters or so, as God is giving specific instructions about the ark that was to be built, Noah did all that God commanded. He did everything that God commanded. Now, that would be difficult for me because even as my wife and I work on these DIY projects in our home during this quarantine, 
I have ideas that sometimes are different than her ideas about the projects that we're trying to do. And so I can only assume if I was in Noah's place as God was giving me these specific clear instructions about how to build the ark, I would have assumed that he was open to my suggestions. Oh God, I don't know if we need a lower and a second and a third deck. Have we thought about maybe just making it two decks? Have we thought about adding a fourth deck? Have you thought that maybe 300 cubits high isn't what we need? Maybe it only needs to be 250 or maybe it needs to be 500 so that we can be protected because I know the way that I think. I'm sure that I would have interjected my thoughts into the plans that God was giving to Noah, but all we have recorded is that Noah did all that God commanded. He did all that God commanded. One more time, he did all that God commanded. Right where you're at, wherever you're at, I just want you to say all. It doesn't mean that he did some. He did all that God Commanded. Now look at this in Genesis chapter 7, verse 16. And the Lord shut him in. So after Noah had done all that God commanded him in the building of this ark, Genesis 7, 16 says, and then the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut the door and made sure that that door stayed closed for the entire time that they needed to be on the ark. Now maybe I'm just being sensitive because of the last few weeks, but I kind of feel like maybe the Lord has shut us in, Right? I mean, the Lord has just kind of shut us into our homes, or maybe you still have to go to work, and so you're commuting back and forth, but it seems like there's no traffic, and so you're thankful that some people have been shut in to their homes. I just think we're in a season where so many of us have been shut in, but I love the truth that comes to us here in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, the very beginning. It says, but God remembered Noah. After God shut him in with him and his sons and his wife and their wives and these animals and all of the supplies that they would need, God shut them in, but then God remembered them. Perhaps in these shut-in kind of days right now, you feel like you're forgotten. Maybe because you don't get to come to the in-person gatherings of the church, you're not sure that anybody even knows that you're alive, that you're you're still doing things and you're still, because there's nobody to hug you. There's nobody to high five you. There's nobody to ask you the question, how you doing this week? So many of those things we take for granted because we just did them week in and week out and we assumed we would always have those opportunities, but now because we don't, maybe we feel forgotten. I would say to you that you are not forgotten because God has remembered you. And, and, and on a personal level, can I just say to you, I can't promise you that I have called every single person that calls Generations Church home by name and prayer every single day, but I promise you, I have prayed for you. You are constantly on my mind. Corey and I talk about you all the time. We pray for you on a regular basis, praying and believing that God is sustaining you and keeping you and strengthening you in the days where you feel shut in. And so as I think about this story, I see so many incredible truths because it was a world in chaos even before the ark, this was a world where sin was running rampant and there was violence and people were doing what was right in their own eyes. And it doesn't take very long for me to look around the landscape of our earth and see so many of those similarities as people just do what they want to do. And it brings chaos to the world. It brings so much chaos as we try to, to see what is right and how do I live right and how do I stay faithful and how do I stay in pursuit of God in that kind of world. And perhaps we can learn something from the story of Noah, because I believe that God is still speaking. I believe even in the days of being shut in, even in the days of quarantine, even in the days where there's uncertainty and fear and anxiety, even in the days when the governor has declared that the kids are not going to go back to school in this school year, and there's so many unknowns about all the things that are going to happen for graduation for our seniors, 
and for sports for our kids and for our jobs. And I recognize that over the last few weeks, six million people have filed for unemployment. And not only that, but millions more are worried for their job. They're not sure if their job's going to exist a week from now or a month from now or a year from now because of the uncertainty, the volatility of the market. And I recognize that in the midst of that chaos, we're listening for God to tell us something and we're just not sure if he's still speaking to us. And can I say to you what we talked about last week? God is still speaking. So what is he saying to you? I believe he's saying something very similar to what he said to Noah. He's just asking you to obey. He's asking me to obey. And it seems simple if it's the big stuff, right? If it's the Ten Commandments, you're like, okay, God, you just tell me not to kill anybody. I mean, me and my family are fighting in our home, but okay, I won't kill anybody. But when it's those little things or it's those unthinkable things, I mean, can you imagine the conversation that God had with Noah? Up to this point in the history of the earth, it had never rained. There was no flood after creation. And so God says to Noah, Noah, I want you to build a boat. And Noah says, great, what's a boat? He said, it's the thing you're going to ride in with your family when I send the rain and the floods. He says, hey, oh, that's great, we'll ride in a boat. What's rain? It's in those moments that God is asking for our crazy obedience. I, I think so often that's what God is challenging us to do in the midst of chaos just be crazy obedient. Just be crazy obedient. Because here's the truth. Godly obedience doesn't always make worldly sense. Godly obedience doesn't always make worldly sense. Your friends and your family and your neighbors and your coworkers and the kids on your ball team and the people in your classrooms, they may not understand what you're doing when you are trying to faithfully, crazily obey God when you've heard him speak to you. And yet that's what God asked of Noah, can you imagine as he went out into his backyard and he began to build this boat out of gopher wood and pitch and he had the dimensions and he's trying to build this thing. I mean, when it could stay contained in the fence in his backyard, probably his neighbors left him alone. But as it began to get bigger and bigger and wider and taller, as he began collecting supplies and all the food and all the animals, and I can only imagine that his neighbors would look at him and go, what in the world are you doing and I don't know how Noah responded other than what we have in Scripture. But here's what I know. Here's what I believe. I believe that God speaks to us in present day, and he's asking us for this kind of obedience. I've told this story before, but when I was in college, I had a moment, I had a day of isolation where I was in my car by myself, and I was hungry. That is not a rare occurrence. And so as I'm driving down the road in Cleveland, Tennessee, at the university that I was attending, as my mom used to say, I had a hankering. Now, some of you won't know what that is, but it's where, it's where your stomach kind of just gets a mind of its own, and you just decide, like, the only thing that's going to quench this hunger is a certain kind of food. Well, on that day, my hankering was for Arby's. They have the beef, right? They have the meat. And so I decided I needed an Arby's sandwich. I needed a roast beef sandwich. And so I pulled into Arby's. And I went in and I ordered my food and I sat down at my table. I had my tray. I'm sitting there by myself. And just about the time I went to take a bite of my sandwich, I look up and across the restaurant from me, just a few tables away, there was another young man who was there by himself and he was eating his Arby's food. And in that moment, as clear as I've ever heard the Lord speak to me, I felt in my soul, God say, go talk to him. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but 
I had the moment where I began to have an internal argument with God. I said, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm in Arby's. This is not a church. I'm not in an altar somewhere praying for people. Like, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to sit here and eat my roast beef sandwich and eat my curly fries. I'm going to let him do his thing. I'm not going to do this, God. And I just felt God just gently nudge again. Just go talk to him. God, I'm not going to do it. And the rest of the time that I sat at my table eating my roast beef sandwich, God and I were in an argument. I said, God, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. There's no way. He'll think I'm crazy. If other people in the restaurant see me, they'll think I'm crazy. I'm not going to do it. And so I finished my food probably more quickly than I would have other than having this conversation with God. And so I got up and I was going to throw away my food and I decided I'm not going to go to the trash can that causes me to pass by this guy. I'm going to go to a different trash can that's on the other side, the opposite side of the restaurant from him and from my car. So I go to that trash can, but I keep my head down because I don't want to make eye contact And so I get to the trash can, and by the time that I get there, I kid you not, he's standing right next to the trash can. You know the little little swingy door on there that says trash? He actually held that up for me so that I could empty my trash into that trash can. And I felt God again say to me, just talk to him. I said, God, I can't do it. This guy probably thought I was crazy because I didn't say a word. I didn't say thank you. I just kind of gave that nod like I don't really want to say anything, but thanks, you know. And so then I decide I'm going to make sure that I don't have to have a conversation with him. And so I walk the long way out of the restaurant, the long way to my car. I go around the backside of the restaurant and I get to my car and I'm putting the key into the side door of my car to get in. And I look up and he's getting into his car one space away and he's looking directly at me. And I felt God say to me, just talk to him. I said, no, God, I... I can't. And I got down into my car, and I put the key in the ignition, and I backed the car out of the parking spot, and I drove away. Now, every time I tell that story, I get chills. I don't know what God was asking me to do. I don't know why he was asking me to do that. I don't know if I was supposed to go and pray for that young man. I don't know if I was supposed to go lead him in the Lord's Prayer, the sinner prayer. I don't know what he needed from me. I don't know if he even needed something from me or if God was going to use him to speak something to me. I don't know if he was supposed to pray for me. I don't know if he was supposed to give me a million dollars. I just know that God was asking me to be obedient. And I said, it was, it was a really small thing. It's just have a conversation in Arby's. And yet to me, it felt as big as building an ark in your backyard when you've never seen rain. And that day, I was not obedient. And to this day, I know what it feels like. Now, I recognize that may not sound like a big deal to you. You may know what disobedience is in a different way. Maybe you have some addictive behaviors. Maybe you've done some things that you knew were wrong in the moment, and yet you went ahead and did it, and you knew that you were being disobedient. But I know what it felt like that day, and I know what it feels like now. I still feel this this sinking feeling in my stomach because I know what God was asking me to do, and I didn't do it. What if, what if God needed to use me that day to get to him? What if my obedience in that moment of isolation resulted in his salvation? I just don't know. But what if your obedience in isolation today resulted in salvation for someone else? 
We just don't know. We just have this choice before us. When God speaks, when God directs, when God leads, to be obedient or not. It's the choice that lays before all of us. The choice to be obedient or not, because we just don't know. Here's what I know as I read the story of Noah. Noah got on that boat, and it wasn't just Noah that was saved. It wasn't just his wife that was saved. It was his sons that were saved, and their wives that were saved. Like, what did those girls ever do to deserve to be saved? We're not given any context in the story that they were good and faithful people. We only know that Noah was faithful and blameless in his generation. We don't know about those girls. We don't know about his sons. But it was their connection to Noah that resulted in their salvation. Who has God placed into your life? Who has God positioned near you? Who has God brought across your path that perhaps he desires to save And he wants to use you to do it. I recognize in the world that we're living in today, on April the 5th, 2020, I recognize that each of us sees chaos all around us. There's craziness, there's uncertainty, there's anxiety, there's fear. And yet I still believe that today God is asking us to be obedient. I mean, just crazy obedient. A kind of obedience that doesn't make sense to anyone else. And when I think about the story of Noah, the only thing that I can come back to is that Noah did all that God commanded. He did all that God commanded. So what is it that God is asking of you? What is it that God is is talking to you about right now? I don't know. And maybe you would say today, you don't know. But what if we lean into what Scripture tells us, that his sheep know his voice? In that story, in that illustration, in that passage, we are the sheep. And so it calls for all of us to become familiar with the voice of God. So just for a second, let me talk about how I hear from God I don't claim to be somebody that hears from God all the time. It actually kind of scares me when people are always saying, thus saith the Lord, and this is what God said to me, because it's so often in Scripture that when God is speaking, he's really challenging the status quo. He's bringing correction or rebuke. He's speaking to a person so that they can deliver a message to the earth. And and so I'm very careful that when I say that, it, it means that I genuinely believe I've heard from God. So here's a few things. I believe that God speaks to me through his word. I was telling my kids just this past week, it's called God's word for a reason. It is the words of God. We believe, according to the New Testament, that all of scripture is God-breathed. And he utilized over 40 human beings to help to capture those words and to put them down into a form that you and I could be handed even today. But whether you have a printed version of scripture or whether you have an electronic version of scripture, you are holding the words of God. And so I believe that God speaks to us through his word. He often does. Even when I'm reading a passage of scripture that I've, I've read dozens of times or even hundreds of times, there's so many times that God speaks something new into my heart and into my life as I'm reading his word. I also believe that God speaks to me when I pray. Now, when I say he speaks to me, and I've referenced this a number of times before, I'm not talking about necessarily the audible voice of God, like you might be hearing my voice right now, or you may be hearing other voices in your house or wherever you're watching. But sometimes it's the still small voice that you hear in your soul. It's an impression 
on your heart and in your mind that you recognize as the voice of God because of the pattern of the way that he speaks to you. And so, so often what I try to do when I'm praying is make sure that I'm not the only one speaking, that I've created space for God to speak back to me. It's a two-way conversation, not just a one-way speech. I'm not just telling God all that I need from him. I'm giving God space to respond to me. And I try to quiet myself and quiet my soul and still the voices and all of the things and all of the distractions so that God can speak into my life in response. God speaks to me through worship. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be the best singer in the world. It doesn't mean that you have to love all the same songs that I love. But I believe that there are a number of worship songs that span hundreds of years, generations of styles of music that God can speak to me the truths of what I'm singing about. As I sing hymns, which are songs to him, when I'm declaring something to God, that's really what we classify as a hymn. I'm talking to God. I believe that God responds to those truths. When I'm singing other songs of truth that may not be directed at God, but they are about my relationship with God or the human experience in light of God's love and his relationship to me, God can speak those truths and cement those truths into my heart. And for me personally, I wouldn't classify myself as like a big outdoorsman, but God speaks to me through space. He speaks to me through the span of time and nature. When I get outside and I hear the, the leaves ruffling in my yard, when, I, when I'm walking through some type of, of scene that I recognize the creative genius of God, so often God has used those moments to speak into my heart and into my life. And here's what I would say to you. If you're not sure what the voice of God sounds like, put yourself in places where you believe God is speaking. Listen to some wisdom of the voices around you, the people that you know that are in pursuit of God. Open up God's word. Find you a Bible reading plan and read God's word in a regular way, in a systematic way. Not just where you're parachuting into God's word and then you don't do it again for weeks at a time, but maybe on a daily basis and a weekly basis. Right now is the perfect time for you to develop new habits of reading God's words. Spend some time in prayer. If you've never really prayed before other than to pray for a meal or pray that God would help you pass a test in school or help you on a project or in a board meeting, I encourage you to start right now and pray for 30 seconds or one minute at the close of our service today or at some point throughout your time today and just talk to God. You can, you can recite the Lord's prayer that he gives to us at the beginning of the book of Matthew, perhaps. But whatever it is that you do, just talk to God and then give him space to respond to you. Put on some worship music in your house and let it just fill the empty space of your home. Turn it onto your phone or device as you're, as you're traveling or you're walking or you're taking a, a trip somewhere and allow God to speak to you through worship or get outside of your home and allow God to show you how creative he is and how he spoke light into darkness and he spoke order into chaos and listen for his still small Voice, I believe that God is speaking to you today. And I believe he's asking you to be crazy obedient. It may not look like an ark. It may not look like taking two of every kind of animal. It may just look like having a conversation with your neighbor across the street. It may just look like sitting down and writing out the business plan that God put in your heart and in your mind years ago, but you've just been afraid to pursue it. It may be that God is asking you to love your neighbor as yourself. It may be that God is asking you husbands to love your wife as Christ loves the church. 
Wives, it may be that God is asking you to submit to your husband as the bride, the church, submits to the authority of Jesus Christ. Sons and daughters, it may be that God is asking you to obey your parents because this is the commandment that comes with a promise that you would live a long and prosperous life on the earth. Moms and dads, it may be that God is asking you not to provoke your children to anger, even as you find yourself there in your homes together for so many hours a day. It may be that you need to call or text or write to someone that God has laid on your heart and you don't know that what they're craving right now is that kind of text, that kind of phone call, that kind of mail in the mailbox. It may not look like a big boat, but what if God desires to use you for the salvation of someone in your sphere? What if God desires to use you to save your next door neighbor? They're not going to work. They're not going to school. There is no ball practice. They cannot walk into the doors of a church. But you can be the church at the fence in your backyard when you take your trash down, when you're mowing your grass. You can just go over and mow their grass. And when they ask why you would even do something crazy like that, you would just say, because God loves you and I felt like the Lord told me to do it to bless you today. It's crazy. Will you be crazy obedient? Will you allow God to use you to bless someone else? It's been a theme for us over the last several weeks, and maybe it's just for me, but I believe it's for all of us, that God desires for us to hear his voice and to respond. And that's my prayer for you today, is as we walk into this holy week, as we draw near to a very surreal, very different kind of Easter weekend for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, that this holy week, we would be the embodiment of a follower of Jesus Christ and we would share the love of God wherever we can because God is asking us to do so. Let's be crazy obedient today. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes right there where you are. That may seem weird for you, but I invite you just to participate in this moment and allow God to speak to you Allow this to be a moment where God says something into your heart, your life, into your soul. If today you would say to me, Jeremy, I know that the step I need to take is to respond, to ask God to be the Lord and Savior of my life, to forgive my sins and to change my eternity forever, I believe that he will save you right now. As you acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, that God would do that work today. And we're going to pray for you. Or if maybe you would say to me, Jeremy, I just need to be more obedient. I need to listen to the voice of God. I need to hear the voice of God more clearly. And when I hear it, I need to step out and follow what God is asking me to do. And I want to be crazy obedient. If that's you, I want to pray for you now. God, I love you today. And I thank you for every person that's watching, every person that's listening now or in the future on a podcast or re-watching a service. God, we thank you for technology that allows the gospel to go forth. I pray today that my heart to be obedient to you has allowed your message to reach all of those who need to hear it. God, I pray now for those who acknowledge their need for you. They acknowledge that they're a sinner in need of a savior and they're asking right where they sit in their living room, in their, in their home somewhere, in a car, at a job, somewhere else, God, that they need you to forgive their sins and be the Lord of their life. God, we thank you that that's what you do. I can't do that. I can't save them, but you can. And so, God, we celebrate with heaven for those who have entered into the family of God now. 
And God, I pray for those who just desire to be more obedient. God, would you let them hear your voice, to know your voice, and to respond to that voice, to be crazy obedient? If you ask them to build a boat, God, would they do it? If you ask them to cross the street, to love their neighbor as themselves, would they do it? God, would they pick up the phone and make the call, write the business plan, or a thousand other things that you may be saying right now? Let this be confirmation that you still speak to us, even in times of chaos. And God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to join you in your kingdom work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. I love you. I miss you. I'm praying for you all the time, and I can't wait to celebrate Easter weekend with you, beginning Friday night at 7 and all day on Sunday. God bless. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.